0: I was uh, wondering um, when I was preparing this. I I mean, I've wrestled a lot with this because I feel God's got stuff to say. And I was wondering, why is it, Lord, that you want me to read this this morning? Because I would normally wing it. And it's because there are so many words going around this room at the moment. I mean, Sam nearly undid me then. My mic fell off. I was so undone. Um, Just the sound of God's voice you don't need to hear anything from me. You just have to tune in and you just have to listen to Father because there is stuff going on this morning. And I don't want to sound super spiritual by saying that because it's not. It's just that's what's going on. Worship was great. And it was great because everybody wanted to see Jesus. So anyway, so I'm reading this. So if it sounds like I'm reading it, that's why. So what we are doing at the moment is the passage is John 16, 7, um, to your advantage. So it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Let's be honest about this, we've got no time to shilly-shally around, I love that word, shilly-shally, anyone's to use that, you can give that from me. We're just going to dive right in, okay. The key reason that it is to our advantage that Jesus leaves, goes to the Father, is to enable the disciples to flourish. When he leaves, he sends the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the helper, that empowers the disciples to do what he does. So here's a question. First question, what is a disciple? A disciple, very simply, is an apprentice, a learner, a follower, and not just that. In the rabbinic tradition of Judaism, Jesus was a rabbi. You know when they said rabbi to Jesus? They didn't say that because they thought that was a nice name. That was his title within the Jewish faith. Jesus was a rabbi. There was a specific path. You couldn't be a rabbi unless you had disciples, okay? There was a specific path to discipleship. Disciples were called to follow their teacher and become the disciple of their teacher. They became their master and the master led them first to listen to their master's teaching and watch what their master did. That was the first thing. Second, to do what their master told them to do under the watchful eye of their master. And third to go out and do that themselves and to gather disciples for themselves. So they went through this process from which they were disciple to, in some sense, master, rabbi. From this process from which they were servant to friend. They developed. And it's this which Jesus did with his disciples. He taught them, he showed them, and then they did it. Now, we can all see that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, which is why we're rushing. He takes men and women, Jesus does, he calls them to faith. He teaches them to love like he loves, and then he empowers them to do like he does, to do what he does for themselves in his power. What set Jesus apart from all of the other rabbis at the time, because it is thought that around the time Jesus was a rabbi in Judea, there were something like 1,100 rabbis in Judea. Jesus was above all of them. What set him apart is that his teaching wasn't simply theology. It wasn't simply a bunch of good ideas or a good interpretation of the Old Testament. It had authority and power. That's what sets Jesus apart. People recognised it in him and it made a difference because that made him different to every other teacher who was around at that time. They noticed it. They said it. This one is different. He speaks with power. He brought life wherever he went. He brought transformation wherever he went. And his disciples witnessed in it and then they shared in it, sending out the 12 and the seventy. Jesus did an amazing thing, and we know where that came from. It says in John 5, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Jesus knew the will of God the father for a very simple reason. He listened. He was intentional about it. Jesus made time even to the point of walking away from thousands of people who were listening to his message from success and crowds, even away from doing good things, because that thing of being with the Father was more important at times than doing stuff in the Father's name. And Jesus knows that for his disciples to do what he calls them to do, which is to be like him in the midst of the world, to not just walk around and teach good theology, but to be seen as powerful and different, Jesus knew that in order for that to happen, they need to know the will of the Father too. Because if the Son can only do what the Father can do, we can only do what the Son can do. So we do what the Father does. It does all make sense. We then have the same authority, the same power, the same ability to hear Father's voice to tell us what to do next. Without, sorry, the helper that Jesus sends is the voice. It is the power of the Father so that his disciples can do what he does. Without that voice and power, his disciples are simply competent teachers. I don't want to be a competent teacher. I want to be an empowered child of God. That's what Jesus, the helper, sending the helper, does. He turns us from being good, well-meaning, nice, knowledgeable people, into being children of God. And this is an important point to make before I go on. This is really vital. We are the disciples of Jesus. This isn't just to the 12. We are the hearers of this word. And the helper is for us, as well as his disciples who were there at that time. We are empowered children of God. If you have heard God's voice calling you to give your life to him, and you have responded to that. You are no longer servants. You are children of the living God with all that goes with it. And we can hear the voice of the Father, and we can move in the power of the Spirit because Jesus makes it so. But we need to know, we need to discern, we need to listen to what the Father is telling us. So Jesus goes... So that he can send the helper. Who is the helper? The helper is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, parakletos in Greece, Greek. Just a quick Greek thing there. It is used in lots of different contexts. Parakletos, parakeet, paraklete, sorry, means parakeet is a bird. Paraklete. Means wind, means spirit, but it comes in all sorts of contexts, and it's used all over the Bible and all over the Greek ancient Greek world in context of helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, encourager, mentor, teacher. You know those words that can mean loads of stuff like love? Spirit is the same. The helper is not our servant. Please understand, that is not what helper means here. Helper doesn't mean that the Spirit will do our bidding and pick up our mess. I mean, the Spirit will pick up our mess. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but that's not the purpose. The helper, the Spirit, is the voice and power of our Master. And our Master is Jesus. The voice and power of our master accompanying and shaping us as we grow in faith and skill, because we grow in skill too as we travel the journey of faith. He's training his friends, that's you and me, we're Jesus' friends, how cool is that? Just to stop for a second, that's pretty cool. He's training his friends to do the things he knows they can, which is to guide and teach and shape and empower. Our purpose is the same as that of the Spirit, which is the same of that as the Son, which is the same of that as the Father. I have a picture which has helped me hugely, and I was praying about this, and I feel I need to share it with you guys, okay? We are all called to make disciples. It's hard work doing that. It's a process. It's an actual thing. So the image in my head is of a blacksmith's workshop. Okay, there you go, blacksmith's workshop. Full of noise, full of bustle. The process of making things is sparky and real and hard. You have to be strong to do it. And we, we're apprentice blacksmiths. We're apprentice blacksmiths, disciples, learning how we make and shape disciples. We're not shaping metal things, we're shaping people, we're shaping lives, we're shaping disciples. And it's something we're all called to do. So the helper in this picture is the master blacksmith. The helper is standing behind us as we make. Not showing us how to do it, standing behind us as we do the work with the tools he's given us. And it's noisy. Anyone who's been in a blacksmith's workshop, and I have to say I'm the least practical human being you will ever meet. However, I imagine that being in a blacksmith's workshop, I know it is really noisy. There is crashing and banging and something amazing and beautiful is happening. And they're busy. We are busy doing this work. You have to concentrate. And it's easy when we are doing this work to hear the helper's voice when he shouts at us because we're about to chop our own fingers off. Stop. Don't do that. We all hear that voice. That's the easy voice to hear. It keeps us safe. We hear it above the noise. It's the shouting of a warning, but it's not the main purpose of the helper. The helper is not there behind us, giving us encouragement, speaking to us, to stop us chopping our own fingers off. He wants to train us to make disciples, to do what he does well, to make people, to guide us, to do things. He knows what we can do. The the master understands what we can do. He knows each one of us intimately. And he's shaped us to do a purpose, to make disciples in the way we need to make disciples because we're all different. And those things, to train us to do that well, doesn't take a shout. No teacher shouts at their pupil all the time. It takes a quiet voice. It takes small corrections, just to the left a little bit. Just hold back. It takes tips to do better in a quiet voice, to go in a new direction. The things we hear from the helper, the master's voice, which make us into craftsmen and women, crafting disciples. And we need those whispers. But because he doesn't shout, he whispers, we have to learn to recognise his voice. Because it's noisy in the workshop. It's loud. It's hard. And we have to tune in to the helper's voice, the master's voice, so much that it stands out over the other distractions and the other noises. We need to hear those whispers because we need to learn from the master. Are you all with me? Because you're very quiet, which is fine. To do that, We need to learn to discern that sound. My children hear my voice. My sheep know the shepherd's voice. To discern the sound of his voice through the noise, through the bustle. And I believe that God has that for us today. Most of us know we are disciples. Yes, who knows they're a disciple? Who is absolutely convinced they're a disciple? Hallelujah. Most of us know that the Holy Spirit is there to empower us as disciples to love others well. Who knows that? So I'm not giving you news, so let's move beyond that and get on with the actual stuff. We are currently, many of us anyway, listening for the shout. We're listening for when we get it wrong. Perhaps we're expecting to get it wrong too often. And you are looking at a man who has been wrestling for a week with a sermon and know what the shout sounds like. It's really horrible. But that's not what we need to listen for. Believe me, when God shouts, we hear. That's not what we learn to concentrate for. What we don't yet know, many of us, is how to hear the whisper above the hubbub of life, above the noise of life, above the workshop where we are, or at least to filter out, filter the voice of the helper amidst the distractions. Because we're busy. We have work and family and all the needs of life. And I want to tell you something those ordinary responsibilities won't leave you as you become a disciple of Jesus. That's where we are. That's our workshop. Neither should they. But as disciples of Jesus, we need to learn to hear them in order to be spirit-filled, Jesus-transformed, life-giving creators of God's kingdom on this earth in our context, in our workshop, in the midst of the real world. And I've wrestled with this myself. I am not standing up here as somebody who is withdrawn entirely from the world. I have two jobs. I have five children. i am, That's why I'm grey. I have family. I have voluntary positions, church responsibilities, all the other stuff that all of the rest of you have. I have those two. I am not standing here saying I've got it sorted. I haven't. I've also lived in Essex long enough to say I haven't, but that's... <laughs> What I want to share is what I think I've learned to encourage you, to think it over for yourselves, hopefully to help you in your lives, just as it helps me in mine. If you want to hear the helper, to hear the voice of the helper, the whisper, then these things might help. First of all, withdrawal. Now, It's no accident, I think, that Jesus withdraws from people to listen to Father God. Just after the feeding of the 5,000, if you read that in the Gospels, that's a really good example. He's done this incredible thing and he goes off onto the mountainside, just after. He withdraws. And I know if there are extroverts in the room, I'm really sorry to say this to you, but you need to withdraw sometimes. We need to intentionally make space. And it takes effort because so often we feel there is no space and there is no time. When we can't hear God's voice in whatever way, sorry, when we hear God's voice in whatever way, when we can hear, we begin to recognise that voice. I was always amazed, this is off the script here, I was always amazed my wife used to run Mothers and Toddlers, okay? Now, we've had five children, which meant we had five children go through mothers and toddlers. And the mothers and toddlers my wife ran had 60 families in it at a time. And when our baby cried, she knew. I don't know how that works. I'm a bloke. I really don't understand. But she heard one of our kids, and she would go straight to them. Have you noticed that? Mothers, fathers, have you seen that in yourselves, in your families? That's the voice, That's hearing the voice. Now me, I need silence. That's the way I hear. More than I used to. Others need music. Some need images. Whatever it is you need to hear God's voice, learn what it is and do more of that. Make space for it. Withdraw from the distractions of the workshop and learn to listen to the sound of his voice Because then when you're in the workshop, you recognise it. The second thing is scripture. We read when we have space to do so, so that we have it when we need it. No time in scripture is ever wasted, even if it's dry. And I know it is sometimes dry. I get that. I find there are times when I feel the Bible is quite unhelpful sometimes, where I think, well, that didn't help me today at all. But over the years, those have become fewer and they are made up for more than you can possibly imagine when we reach the desert places of our lives. It's when we're in the desert that the times we've read scripture are like bottles full of life. And I realise at those times that God's word has taken root in my life because suddenly it's there because I read it another time or I did it another time. And I find that I have resources in Scripture that help me get through. No time focusing on the voice of the helper in Scripture is ever wasted. Third, there's community. Community and relationships are absolutely at the heart of hearing from the Holy Spirit. Because it's only in community that the fullness of Christ is found. 1 Corinthians 12 says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part of it. We are the body of Christ and each one of us has a part of it. No one of us is capable of carrying the fullness of Christ in every matter. But as a community, we are Christ existing as community. That is what we are. I love that. Whether you find people draining like me, sorry guys, I find spending time with people quite draining. That's called introversion. (laughs) Or you can't live without being among the crowds. If there are those of you that are here, I just want you to know, I think you're weird. But (laughs) that's fine. The reality is, whatever we are, we cannot do without one another. It is just not possible. The fullness of Jesus resides in our togetherness. Why do you think it is that the devil loves to see the church split? And Peter writes, above everything, whatever else you do, make sure you keep meeting together. Fourth is God's presence. I love Isaiah 6, one of my favourite passages in the Bible. And it is to me the clearest image of the presence of God transforming the people of God. It is only after the presence of God comes in full power that the prophet himself sees himself as he truly is. And he says, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have sinned the glory of the Lord. I don't know whether anyone else has experienced that, but I find when I go into God's presence, I realise that actually I'm not quite as good as I was. And I see myself as God sees me, and that's not a bad thing, because God sees me as a child and his son, and that's amazing. But it undoes me. Where do you find it easiest to draw into God's presence? It's a very serious question. Where do you find it easiest to draw into God's presence? Is it in worship? Is it in silence? Is it in nature? Wherever it is, intentionally make time to do more of it. Please, it won't ever be wasted, and you will start to hear the voice of the helper. For me, silence and thinking, those of you that know me know I have my favourite place in the world, is my blue shed at the end of the garden, which is not a shed at all. It's much more warm than that. (laughs) But there's no single way, no single thing that is more holy than others. Just look for the presence of the living God and then intentionally go there. Please. Jesus did it. It must be worth doing. Five, God's voice. Jesus speaks to his friends, but in different ways for each of us. Find the way that you hear God's voice most clearly and do more of that. As I say this, I realise I'm repeating myself. So it's obviously worth repeating. (laughs) For me, words, love words, pictures, unfolding narratives. God speaks to me in prophetic words that turn into like six, seven, eight page stories. And that's the way God does it for me. For my wife, Sophie, she loves being out in nature. I don't understand it myself, but she it works for her. <laughs> Others, you might find the helper's voice in music or art or discussion or sermons or all sorts of things. Different people hear God differently because we're different. It's okay, we are different. Thank God we're different. <laughs> I cannot imagine sharing a room with me. <laughs> <laughs> We need to take time to learn how we most effectively hear God's voice and then intentionally do it. And the next one is the hardest of them all. Time. I know for most people, if not all people in this church, this is the one thing you don't have very much of. I get it. You know I get it. The number of children I've got should tell you I get it but we need to make time for what's important. And it can be hard, really hard, to carve out of the rock face of our busy lives that time and make it happen. But I have to tell you, it won't happen unless you do it intentionally. It won't happen unless you intentionally do it. And that's not, I don't want to nag people. I don't want to make people feel guilty. I'm not telling you you're not busy. I'm just telling you, if you want time, you need to make it. Drawing near to God does take time. But it gets easier to do. Like all things, as we practice, as we do it more often, it gets easier. We all know it is one of the most important things we need to do. Anyone of us who has been a Christian for more than 10 minutes knows it's the one thing that we need to do first. And isn't it funny how it always gets pushed out first? Whenever time pressure or pressure in life comes, what's the first thing that we give up? There's a reason for that. The enemy doesn't want us to do it. And do you know why? Because we need to recognise the voice of the helper. And when we recognise the voice of the helper, we move in the power of God. And when we move in the power of God, the enemy hates it. But that's all we can do. So I say we don't need to make more hours of time. We can't. It's the one thing we can't do, definitely. Just more time than we allow now. I'm not saying take an extra three hours in your day to sit and meditate over scripture. I'm not saying that. Take a minute, take two minutes but do it intentionally. Make some time to connect with the voice of the helper so that we can learn to hear it in the midst of life. So, three things. Be intentional. I'm coming into land, guys. I'm aware of this 15 minutes, yeah. (laughs) Be intentional. We know we need to listen to the helper to grow. I don't need to persuade you of that, do I? No? Be intentional. Second, do something. I'm not saying do everything. Don't do everything because you'll just build yourself up with guilt and fill yourself with rubbish. But do something. One thing, because good intentions aren't enough. Just do something. Don't waste time on justifications. That's fine. I'm, you're not answerable to me, it's between you and God. But do what you can, not what you can't. And then be honest with God and with yourself, I promise you that you will not lose something more than you gain by making time and space to hear the voice of the Helper. Simply make space to listen to him. Let him guide your hand. Let him shape your life and most importantly, make you fruitful. Good fruitful. Now, There's so much flowing around this church. I just, I'm, I don't want to sound all mystical. I really don't. But I feel so much God has stuff to say to people. So can I invite you, all of us, The re, and I'll explain to you why before you do it. I want all of us to stand because I don't want anyone to be embarrassed. And frankly, standing up to help other people is easy. And then when we stand, one of the ways that the helper speaks to us is through community and it's through gifting. And For many of us here, while Bethany will play in a second, the silence will be enough. Tune in to God. Listen. Let's just spend a few minutes listening to the Father. But for some, you may want a word, an encouragement. There are members of the prophetic team here, because I've asked them to be here, (laughs) who will, if you would like them to, come around to where you're standing and just encourage you, there is no bad stuff going on today. There are only good things from Jesus today. And if you really want to hear God's voice, but you don't feel you can hear it for yourself, that's fine. There are a prophetic team who will find you if you put your hand in the air, and they will just come and share some things that they feel God's put on their heart. And just before we do that, there's a couple of things I feel God's put on my heart. Is that okay? I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm getting there. First of all, I feel, I I see in my head a picture of a rainbow and there's someone here who feels that they have to colour in every tiny little bit in the rainbow to make it look perfect. And I was watching a little kid over there drawing a rainbow earlier and it wasn't perfect and it was totally a rainbow. Just draw the rainbow. And the second thing is that... No, that's fine. So can you, is that all right? Could we... Thank you. <laughs> Let's pray and just ask God's presence to continue. Father, we know you're here already. We're just so thankful that you're here. Thank you that you're speaking. And as we spend just a few minutes in your presence, we just ask that, that you will speak. Help us hear your voice, Lord.